You're listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2212 South Broad Street. For more information, check out circleofhope.net or join us in person on Sunday evenings at 5 and 7 p.m. We're thinking about the fruits of the Spirit these days, and that is um, like what it looks like in us to be like consciously connected to God. Um, and I, 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 the thing I like about this most is that God demonstrates all these qualities to us first. Like we love him because he first loved us. So these, these qualities aren't something that we need to like, like beat ourselves to like develop. They are gifts from God because God is like revealing them to us and literally like pouring them out on us. So I want the one that I want to think together tonight about is gentleness. And I think one of the one of the reasons that God is gentle with us is because we need we need the gentleness because we're not always okay. And I was thinking this week about how the world tells us that we should be okay all the time and in fact there's something wrong with us if we're not okay. Um, in my former profession, the ex- experts were always coming up with new diagnoses to um, normalize, um, to provide treatment and to like help us all be a little bit more okay. Um, but I think, and the world, the world is like really hard, right? Um, if you're paying attention at all, you're probably not okay all the time. And a friend told me, I got thinking about this because a friend told me this week, I'm not okay. And I, and I heard her in that, like the anxiety and the pain and confusion she was feeling. On the other hand, I knew that in an in a also very real sense, she was okay because Jesus was, is present to her and helping her work all that out, saving her. But the violence and despair and deception of the world and our own hearts could crush us on any given day. And, and for that reason, I'm so grateful that the God that we're talking about here tonight is gentle. He doesn't whack us over the head and just tell us to get our act together. I think a lot of us expect that kind of treatment because we grew up with that kind of shame and uh, demand and need to hide our not okayness. We did get whacked over the head emotionally or physically. And so fear is our first response to scarcity and loss. And I think that fear can tr- trigger the violence toward ourselves and others that you know we see on the news every day and sometimes feel within ourselves. But the God that we have in Jesus is not whacking us over the head. He's actually coming to us in humility, um, in intimacy even. Not only acknowledging our pain, but identifying with us in our sorrow, grieving. He knows we're not okay. He meets us in our mess with his loving presence. And, and I think in that way, he, he does fulfill the prophecy in Isaiah about who the Savior would be that he would not crush a bruised reed or 
snuff out a flickering candle. Some of the translations of this verse um, talk about that candle as a smoldering wick. And I was in a band in college called the Smoldering Wicks. (laughs) And this concept is better than the music that we made. But, um, and I'm not going to show you like our album cover or anything. But the concept is there in, in, the, in these reeds. Um, when Isaiah's talking about a reed, he's talking about something that grew, that grows all over the Mediterranean region. It's so common, and it's used to make all kinds of stuff. And so if you had a bent, a bent one, you would just throw it out. It was definitely trash, because you could get like a million others in your backyard. And so... The prophet is saying something pretty radical here about God, that he doesn't discard things that are bent and broken. He doesn't discard things that we might think are trash. He's not going to throw anyone out for being broken or labeled useless. Our God is gentle. And as I was pondering this, I thought of several other moments in the Bible where we can see the gentleness of God, and it's kind of all over, even the Old Testament, and definitely in the New. Um, we can see God's gentleness, the way He meets us tenderly in scarcity and disease, and loss. One time, in the Old Testament, God fed the prophet Elijah through these ravens that came to him. They brought him meat and bread. I love all the food stories. But he sends the sustenance to Elijah, like in the starkness of the desert. Here's this guy, like, trying to do this really difficult and dangerous thing by telling the king, speaking truth to power, telling the king some really hard truths. And I think God knows that Elijah is, like, ready to give up at any moment because it's so hard and so lonely. And so God sends him these unlikely companions. I just think there's something so gentle about that. Another moment is in the New Testament when Jesus healed a leper who was begging to be made clean. Mark says that Jesus reached out his hand and he touched him. And, you know, there's nothing unusual about Jesus touching people. But I think... There's a lot unusual about a leper being touched. Um, They were literally untouchable. You know, the disease is contagious, highly contagious, and um, they lived in isolation except for begging. And Jesus reaches right through that isolation and touches him and heals him. The gentleness of God is so evident to me, too, um, when he, when his friend Lazarus dies. And I think he really feels it when his friend Mary, Lazarus's sister, tells him about it. He's moved to tears, even. He feels her sadness and loss, and he, he has it, too. Brene Brown wrote, I thought faith would say, I'll take away your pain and discomfort. 
And what it ended up saying was, I'll sit with you in it. So I think we mess ourselves up when we try to skip over the pain and discomfort. And a lot of us have tried this. I know I have. Um, many of us have learned the hard way that there's something powerful about letting God meet us there in that place of really not okayness. If we can, if we can not numb out or distract ourselves in that moment, we can we have a chance to receive this crazy deep truth that we are loved just as we are. I think it takes a long time to actually believe that. But that's the invitation. And the fruit of the Spirit is gentleness. Incidentally, that's why I'm not upset that we spend 40% of our mutuality fund on, on paying for each other's therapy. We have, the, we have a counseling center connected to us, and um, I know I have benefited from that, but um, so there's no shame, but a lot of us have, have gone to therapy, and we help, as a church, we value that. It can be very healing to have our particular pain known and touched. But I want to go a little deeper with this word gentleness um, in the text to try and understand what Paul really meant when he said to the early church, the fruit of the spirit is gentleness. Because I think it's hard. I think we overlay our Western assumptions and understandings on all of the Bible. And so it takes some work to kind of unpack um, what it meant at that time and place. And so when I looked at the original lexicon, the, that word gentle in the Greek has such an interesting meaning. It means not being overly impressed by a sense of one's self-importance. So not, not being overly impressed, I think it means of our own selves, not being overly impressed by our own importance creates a gentleness. And I think that lends itself to some internal work. It's this heart posture of humility. But Paul gets practical right away about it because four verses later he says, if anybody's caught in a sin, you guys who think, you're, you, who think you are spiritual should re restore that person gently. In other words, if you're going to blow up somebody else's spot, which is sometimes necessary, that truth and love is part of what we're working on, Paul's, Paul's saying, have an awareness of your own need. Have an accurate view of yourself. Don't be overly impressed by your own righteousness or importance. Do such a thing out of obedience to Christ, knowing, knowing the healing purpose of repentance in your own life and the importance of love and unity in the body. Don't just do it because you're mad or hurt or something. See yourself as God sees you, held in grace, fully loved in all of your complexity. I think that's where gentleness comes from, and that's what Paul is calling, calling the church to. So you can see it's, it's not passive at all. It's an action. This gentleness is, is a brave action, actually. 
Um, I think I probably should be preaching more on the, you know, why we need to do that carefrontation because I think we're more prone to just leave each other alone um, in our sin. But gentleness is not passive here. Um, but in our Western context, it is. We, I think we come to that word with a lot of associations about, like, traditional femininity or, like, quietude and softness. But that's not, that's not the fullness of this definition that Paul is giving to the early church. And I think we can see some of the complexity of gentleness in Paul and Jesus' lives. Always, always the way people live is more interesting than what they say anyway. So let's look at, let's look at Paul and Jesus' lives to see um, how they were working this out, the, the, the fruit of the spirit of gentleness. It's complex. So I want to kind of throw it at you so you can wrestle with it with me. Um, so Paul writes about gentleness and relating like this, but then he he also calls people accursed who are preaching another gospel. And he, at one point, like, uh, rebukes his, like, best boy, Peter, for, like, um, doing something that Paul thought was wrong. And he, like, writes, all, writes pretty harsh words about him in the gospel. So it's, like, it's an interesting intensity to, to uh, gentleness. And Jesus is even more complex. Um, he preaches gentleness in the Beatitudes. If you remember, the, um, the meek will inherit the earth, and blessed are the poor in spirit. He's all about that. And yet, on the other hand, he's calling the Pharisees whitewashed tombs and uh, snakes and hypocrites. He rides into town on a humble little donkey, this, like, ultimate symbol of servitude and smallness. And hours later, he's flipping tables in the temple because of the greed that has taken over there. Jesus describes himself as gentle even when he says, come to me, all you who are carrying heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest. And yet, he is literally telling his best friends to pick up their crosses and follow him and go into flogging and persecution and arrest. So it's like, what's going on? What, what, what is gentle, meek, and mild about that? I think where I'm landing is that gentleness as a fruit of the spirit is connected to this unselfish way of moving with God for God's purposes. It's about like getting, getting, getting into God's imagination for what needs to happen in the world and then just kind of going for that in the, in the way of Jesus as closely as we can. It's assertive, but not self-assertive, if that makes sense. Paul and Jesus are so compelled by God's purposes that they're, they're not passive about it. In fact, they're like hype about it. But what they are so intense about um, is revealing the love of God in the world and serving others, not like worrying about what they're going to eat for dinner. 
And so they, they're, they're trying to do whatever it takes to communicate this love, um, especially on behalf of the poor, especially for the work of redemption. And it's something that they, that they fight for, and so we do too. When Jesus is flipping tables, he's determined to restore the, the place of worship and the place of prayer that money has taken over. Jesus and Paul and many others who have come after them are really serious about redeeming the world and gentle at the same time, calling people into a relationship with God that makes them humble enough to fight for the well-being of all people. Not violently, but strategically and relentlessly and lovingly. It's like Bethany and Chris coming alongside people um, in the criminal justice system with the participatory defense hub that we're starting here. They're doing that instead of bombing City Hall for, the, for being uh, a racist institution and you know perpetuating mass incarceration. Instead, they're, they're coming alongside people. They're fighting for individuals and for a change in the system. It's choosing to be in service to the one who wants to save everyone. And, and it's doing that cosmic eternal work without, without an inflated sense of self-importance. I think that's beautiful. That's the tension that we're trying to work out, and that is beautiful. So many of you live like this every day. Um, but someone I was thinking about this week is Katherine Snyder. This is her in her cell recently, down here. It doesn't always look like that. But uh, most of you probably know that our schools in Philadelphia are, are lacking a lot of resources. Um, I know I spend a couple hundred bucks every August just on buying paper and pencils and tissues and toilet paper for the classrooms, and that's what every parent is asked to do. But in addition to that, um, there, you know, there's very few public schools that have art and music programs and therapeutic supports that the kids need. And um, it's getting worse, by the way. We, we put billions of dollars into national defense billions more dollars into national defense than we do into education in the United States. So this is the world we live in. Talk about the opposite of gentleness. Anyway, Catherine thought that that was a problem a few years back, and she's an art therapist and a child therapist, and so um, she started applying for grants to go into public schools and offer some support programs on the side. and. Um, it, the, the whole initiative is called Spark and Circle. It's Circle of Hope because it's under our nonprofit. Um, and so I wanted you to know about it because I think we don't talk about it enough, but it's happening. And it's happening right here in South Philly, like Southwark Elementary School, close to my neighborhood, um, has like 29 languages other than English that are spoken by the kids because it's such a big immigrant population. And Catherine and Kristen Rashid are in that school providing support. Um, 
therapy for the kids um, and being a safe place, a place to be known, a place where these kids are able to sort out their experiences and hopes and dreams. They're creating a safe space for them with their presence and it's really life-giving. I wish they could do more of it. But I think that's the gentleness of Jesus and that circle of hope. But it doesn't just happen. Again, it's not passive. Catherine works, so this is just like one of her jobs, but she works so hard to get these grants um, and to beg principals for resources and space and to find good therapists who could make a lot more money doing other work. Gentleness is not passive. It's deeply committed to mercy and justice and grace from an awareness of the truth that we all need that. We all need, we all need the gentleness of Jesus that keeps meeting us where we're at. We're, I think we're not okay without it. We need the gentleness of Jesus. Let me pray for us. God, I thank you for your love that um, does fully accept us right where we are, exactly as we are, and yet calls us beyond um, that inflated sense of ourselves that we're so likely to get into. I pray that you would keep transforming us with your kindness and your tenderness and your love and help us to keep making safe places for others to know you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.